Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello all and welcome to another Flying Solo Podcast. Look, this podcast is brought to you with the support of well, oddly, one of our own products, our new step-by-step online course called Work Your Way. It's the ultimate guide to going it alone in business. Head to solism.com to sample some of the 80-plus videos. And if you like what you see, and I really hope you will, use the promo code PODCAST for a nice little intro discount. Okay, now today I'm joined by Brendan Cockram from the Octavian Group in Perth. Brendan owned and operated a successful telecoms business for over a decade and now works to help people buy and sell businesses. He's been involved in the sale of over 50 private businesses, ranging in value up to $10 million. But today we're not looking at selling a business so much as buying a business. Brendan sees great opportunities for growth by buying an existing business, quite possibly a fellow soloist business. Interesting. So, Brendan, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Robert. Well, look, there's so very, very fascinating topic here, and not one that we've uh, really talked about before. You know, we've looked at at selling a business, exiting a business, but um, you know, I keep myself for not really thinking about it. I love this concept of well, actually, you know what? Maybe we could grow by buying a business that's already in existence. So now, over in WA, I'm guessing there's a bit of that going on. And who, who's your audience out of interest at the moment? Who's buying businesses? Yeah, exactly right. I mean, our uh, our industry kind of feeds on disruption, for better or for worse, of the economy. And of course, in WA, we have a bit of a downturn in the mining sector in particular mm. at the moment. Um, and consequently, we've got engineers that are sort of re-entering uh, the market, for better or for worse. They're coming out of jobs from the resources industry for the most part. And um, for a lot of them, acquiring a business can actually be a really good step in in terms of their career path. Mm. Uh, so a lot of them, for either that, I guess, or they have to kind of follow the boom around the globe. So they'll they'll move to the next destination, be it Brazil or wherever the, the mining is sort of ramping up. So if they like Perth or they like Australia and they want to stick around, um, often they'll look to acquire a business that they can deploy the skills that they've learned in their corporate role. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, look, and and that's great, and I sincerely hope it's going well for you. I think the thing that um, you know that uh, piques our interest, and we've we've mm. spoken a little bit on this podcast about sort of exiting and selling, but mm. I just I do like this notion that um, that you suggested when you made contact with me about well, look, you know what what some businesses can be doing rather than kind of figuring out well what's my next stage of growth, how do I move over here, how do I do this. You know what you're suggesting is well. Actually, one way you can do it is by buying someone who's already doing it. So clearly, yeah. there are some kind. Of, I imagine anyway, some key sort of considerations. So perhaps you mm. can walk us through this in some way. Sure. So just to, to go back to the start of your question, you're absolutely mm. right. There's sort of two main, uh, I guess, buying drivers. One would be buying for for entry, which is someone coming out of corporate or someone that doesn't have a business at the moment. And the other would be buying for growth. Mm. Uh, and that's where you're basically scaling your existing business by acquisition. Um, and obviously, that can be uh, quite a a much faster way to grow your business if you're buying something that has already some infrastructure in place, some goodwill, some brand equity, 
um, existing customers, market acceptance, you're really making a, a running start on on uh, on that growth. Mm. Um, yeah, so, and just one point, I'll just jump in there as yeah. well. And I, I I don't recall the the exact statistic, but I, I remember reading a lot in recent years how there are just so many kind of baby boomers people like me um that are you know getting to an age where they're looking to move out of their business not that i am um (laughs) and and so therefore i guess that means that there's a whole lot of potentially you know good little businesses that um that people could snaffle up so yeah where do we start you're exactly right um there's been a lot of talk over the last sort of five to 10 years i guess about the the impending tsunami they're calling it mm. of um of baby boomer businesses that are uh, sort of going to be hitting the market over the next decade or so and that's just them sort of moving through the nature of the demographic they're moving into retirement etc so what well, the opportunity that's that's in front of us really is a series of market leading enterprises often uh they've been around for decades on end um but there's also often some low-hanging fruit in terms of growing these businesses, um, just the, the nature of the demographics and the way that the innovation cycle works these days. A, a younger entrepreneur or, or um, business owner can come in and often improve and innovate within these businesses mm. uh, in ways that the existing ownership or management haven't really had an interest in doing. Yeah, sure. Um, so that's kind of one of the the key pillars in terms of uh, the businesses that we're looking for on behalf of our clients is that value-add prospect. Um, so we will assess a business and, and I, just to go back to your, your first question, mm. it's really about transferable value, I guess, is how we, we couch the whole assessment and search and acquisition process. Mm. Um, so if you frame it in that way, it starts to reveal the things that are actually valuable in the business. And it's it's not necessarily the the owner or um, how well the owner has managed to, to run or operate their business. It's more about the nature of the customer's the repeat um, components of the business and the overall sort of predictability of the future trading position of the business. Yeah, okay. So let me just, um, I'm just going to burrow in on some of that. So accepting Mm. that, you know, not everyone listening to this, of of course, is is suddenly going to ring you and say, hey, can you help me buy someone? Mm. So let's, let's, I'm just pulling it back to let's think of somebody who's maybe in their, their own very small solo business and they want to expand it. Let's use, just because someone just walked past that I saw, and I know a, a personal trainer maybe who's got you know young, new in the business, um, wants to expand. How would they, just thinking about this, and I'm asking you to kind of step out of thinking about it as a, as a, as a person who generates his revenue by doing this for people, but I'm just thinking, mm. how would that young guy... Um, let's say he knew there was another training business up the road that was not as advanced as him wasn't doing how would they sort of start to stalk that business how do you how do you look for the opportunity how do you know if there's anything there before they kind of approach someone like you sure so there's a couple of different ways that you can flesh out these opportunities Mm. i guess and the one that you're referring to is sort of a direct approach Um, and you have to do it in a way that gives the potential seller uh, a couple of assurances around the process up front not the least of which is usually 
around confidentiality. Of course. Okay. So, so they sellers get quite um, get concerned, I guess, that if they're contemplating selling the business, and it may not be that prior to approaching them that they were necessarily mm. uh, contemplating it, but if they if they do, and, and our success rate, just to give you some numbers around it, is around sort of thirty five percent of of the businesses that we approach sort of come back and say, look, yeah, to the right person at the right price, I'd, I'd certainly consider um, selling yeah. out. You know? Can so, I, I'm just going to yeah. stop you there. So, mm. But taking it even earlier than that, surely do we not as the potential buyer, do we not need to do a bit more, um, I'll use the word due diligence, but I probably shouldn't because I know that's an official phrase that you'll probably refer to, but should we not do a little bit more of our own stalking first just to figure out, is this actually a business that I want? Look, the short answer is is not really. Okay. Um, you, you, you can't get a lot of the information that you're going to really need. I mean, you might, yeah, okay. if, you, if you're within the industry, you might have a little bit of intel on, on the operator already just in terms of, you know, your own perceptions of how busy the classes are, for example. Yeah. Um, so you might be able to do a little bit of information gathering like that. But the easiest way, honestly, is to have... A, uh, a a coffee or a confidential conversation um, with the the business owner to say look and just be be upfront and honest about the whole thing. Um, say look, this is I'm I'm looking to grow my business. Um, I wanted to have a chat to you because you know there, there's a few sort of strategic uh, synergies between your business and mine, and and it might be uh, appealing. It might work for both of us um, if we could come to an arrangement on the sale. Yeah. Okay. So, so again, yeah. I'm just uh, forgive me for interrupting. It's just it's, no, just, no, it's, it's, it's how I roll. But yep. um, actually, that's a good point. So you're saying, well, yes, you know, maybe do a little bit. Let's make sure that this person is, you know, working with in that instance the kind of clients that you'd like. Perhaps is is operating a business that um, has a good reputation, and I guess we can see and find that by doing a little bit of stalking. Perhaps having a look at what obvious things that they're not doing like they may not even have a website they may not yeah you know be running their programs the way that um people generally are these days so i guess there's some basic stuff we can do but then i like your approach which is basically just get in there um yeah. you know you didn't exactly say that but sort of mm. you know get in there and let's get a serious conversation going so um it okay is- Mm. Yeah, just to just to add to that, it yeah. is very much about getting that conversation going um, because you do want to know uh, sort of as quickly as possible whether or not there's any interest there. Yeah, because uh, otherwise you just kind of that you can burn a lot of time, I guess, yeah. doing that exploration, which was never necessarily going to go anywhere anyway. Mm. Um, and if you're if you've you've got an appetite to acquire a business and you're you're on the uh, the hunt, so to speak. It it is very much about running that process in an economical way, yeah, um, okay. and point. not wasting time on things that aren't going to come to fruition. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So let's imagine we're doing that, or we've done that. You know, we're we're having that sort of first coffee. Mm. Um, what sort of things should we be looking out for? So it comes back to that transferable value, I guess, and and value is kind of couched in the eye of the beholder for better or for worse. So mm. it may well be that if you're an existing business, um, you're looking for, for customers or strategic alignment or synergies with another business. Um, it may well be, I mean, there's acquisitions that take place all the time that are purely just taking out competitors yeah. out of the, a particular space, right? So you mean just kind of buying them and almost shutting them down just to get them out of the road? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that does happen. We don't mm. see a lot of that, I must admit, um, no. at our business. But it, the, the, it's just an, an indication of a driver that's sort of not necessarily a financial one. Mm. Um, but, uh, but certainly, look, how do, how do we assess a business or how do you assess a business in terms of its value? Well, if you're purely looking at the financial elements um, of a transaction, you're really looking for that repeat revenue. Um, and that those repeat customers, yep. that's sort of what, what you're acquiring is, is very much those relationships and uh, the predictable parts of the future maintainable earnings of that, um, of that business. Um, but then there's obviously a lot of non-financial considerations that come into that too, particularly um, if you are buying for entry uh, and not necessarily growth, you're often looking for something that's going to fit your background and, um, I guess, your career ambitions, and you want some alignment with, the, I guess, the industries and the space that you're comfortable with. Yeah, okay. I mean, obviously a very good point, and I imagine, well, indeed, I've heard stories of people that unbelievably make that kind of error. You know, they buy a business, and then mm. six months down the track, just realize they hadn't thought about what's actually involved in that business so you know that sounds like basic stuff but my goodness people get it wrong don't they they do on occasion you know and unfortunately it's usually because they haven't gone through the acquisition process properly um so there are sort of checks and balances that you go through as you're moving through the, the due diligence phase and everything that you alluded to yep. um that can protect you uh in terms of what you're buying and and uh minimize the the chances of, of it going wrong i guess yep. yeah. look i tell you what why could i ask you just to explain the phrase mm. due diligence what actually is involved let's imagine Again, we've got someone listening who's got their eye on a business. Mm. They're thinking they might buy it. What the heck is due diligence? What, what, sure. What's involved? So the due diligence condition, effectively, which is what it is on a on a contract of sale, uh, and it's a condition that, if it's done properly, is is essentially a condition to the satisfaction of the buyer. So if you think of it like buying a property, like a house. It's almost like the the condition on there that says I've inspected the house for termites and I'm happy to go ahead with the the settlement of this house. Okay. Similar with a with a due diligence clause on a on a business where you you get, you get the opportunity to sort of deep dive into all of the financial data, the trading history of the business, um, and typically a due diligence clause is worded to the satisfaction of the buyer, which means that the DD process. The scope of which I should say is kind of at the discretion of the buyer. Right. Um, so you can you can say, look, I want to look at all of your financial history. I want to meet certain customers. I want to talk to certain suppliers um, prior to actually buying the business. And if I'm not happy with the outcome of that process, I can withdraw the offer and terminate the contract effectively. Um, so the way we use the DD clause, and this is, uh, I guess you'd consider it probably standard across the industry, is the initial offer goes in based on uh, representations made by the seller, typically about their business. But you don't really have a lot of opportunity to validate that um, up front. So you have to sort of take it on face to say, cool, I understand that you've told me you have uh, 300 customers and mm. you're tra training with them on a fortnightly basis and this is what they're paying every day and you haven't lost a customer for the last six months or yeah. whatever they've, they've said. And um, you sort of take it on face value and say, well, in that case, I'd contemplate an offer of X for your business. 
And then the DD clause is where you go through and you validate those representations and further investigate the business. Yeah, okay. So again, I like your analogy of the house. So it's like you can look across the road at a house that's for sale and know that it's $2 million. Mm. It's been priced. There's the sales price. And then your due diligence is, well, okay, I like the look of it. It's got the right number of rooms. It's the right sort of size. Now I need to get it checked out. Is it as good as it looks? And that's, that's, right. that's the similar thing with due diligence. So, with, yeah. I mean, really getting when when a biz buying a business gets to that stage, and mm. um, I do accept I'm asking you to answer a question that might you know um, not win you business. So, mm-hmm. um, that's forgive right. me for that. But um, can imagine we've got a solo business owner who's looking at buying mm. another solo business. Can we go through, should we, actually is probably the question, should we consider going through that process um, without using somebody such as yourself? I mean, how far can we go before we need to get some legal help or some, some genuine support? So this is as a, as a buyer? Yeah, as a buyer. Mean, sorry. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, look, acquisitions take place all the time where without necessarily representation uh in, in the sense that we provide representation, which is a, a leadership role in the sales process. Yeah. But at the very least, you'd want to consult perhaps your accountant or um, you'd get some financial advice. Get a, get a, uh, a, an expert to do things like the due diligence process with you. Yeah. Um, by all means, if you wanted to engage another uh, business owner and discuss the sale of their business, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to get it formally valued. You can say, look, talk talk to the the seller about their expectations on price and see if that lines up with with uh, your sort of comfort levels and what you pay for the business um this happens all the time our, mm. our service is actually relatively unique in the sense that we um we we limit our clients to a maximum of 10 and and i'd say the the bulk of the transactions that happen certainly don't happen with uh with a buyer's advocacy um service in them no, okay. All right, interesting. So at what point, I've got so many questions, but I'm just trying to sort of um, temper them properly. Um, mm. at, at what point do or should one get really involved in the culture of the business? Because the, the, the sort of sales and purchases that I know of that haven't worked out, and I was involved in a, in a sale of a business, you know, 20 years ago, um, mm. which worked very well. But the reason it worked very well is there was a major, major emphasis on how are our two cultures going to combine? Mm. So how do you how do you advise that that sort of subject is looked at? Yeah, it's a delicate one often, um, and particularly when you're merging two companies together, of course. Um, but there there are a couple of things that you can do to to offset the inherent risk in that, and it, and it all comes down to the process that you go through when you engage right from the outset. So if you're meeting customers um, or you're meeting uh, employees, if there's employees of the business that you're looking to inquire already in place, you really do need to give them some assurances out of the process as well um, because it can be a very, uh, I guess, disruptive process mm. for personnel. Enormously, yeah. Yeah, and uh, often they there's a lot of uncertainty about their role within the business moving forward and what does this change of ownership mean for, for them. Um, so right, right from the outset, we often say you've got to give them some assurances. If it's your intention to keep them around, tell them exactly that. Um, le- indicate that you're going to be looking to learn from them, that they're going to be integral to the whole transition process. 
uh, and give them some comfort around what your intentions are with the business. Mm. Um, and then you, you've got to really try to get them to buy into the growth that, which is often the driver behind the entire process, right? So you're, yeah. Yeah, okay. So again, uh, if we're talking about a very small business, I guess what mm. this is suggesting is is we need to spend a good amount of time and understand who everybody is and what they do um, and really imagine, you know, not just imagine, but work out what their role might be, but also just imagine, okay, from next week, your, your business is going to have this person in it. You know, how does that feel? What does that look like? Yes. It's, it's going through that process, isn't it? Um, sorry. Yeah, on. actually, if I can add to that, mm. it's, it's also, we see it from time to time where someone will buy a business and uh, they'll identify some efficiencies that they can deliver to the bottom line, often in the of way course. of wage savings, right? So they'll say, look, I could probably run this business a bit leaner than the existing management are. So straight off the bat, they might say, we're going to cull the um, the workforce from, from five down to three, perhaps. Um, but you've just got to be quite careful of the intangible uh, sort of things that some of those staff bring to the table. They may not necessarily be um, the top performers from a sales point of view or something, but you don't really understand the culture of the business until you really get in there. So our advice is always don't make drastic changes to the business at the very least for 90 days right. um, until you're in there and you can understand how things are working because whilst someone might not be the top performer, they may well be the glue that sticks to the rest of the team oh, together. So true. That's so true, isn't it? Um, look, I, yeah, absolutely get that. And when you're with this, uh, going back to this tsunami that you mentioned before of, of all of these baby boomers that have got businesses to sell, um, do you do you feel that um, in most cases, again, if we're if we're imagining a small business buying another small business, um, do you imagine that in most cases, or is your experience that in most cases? the business owner of the business that's being sold, do they often come with the business for a good period of time or is it more just shoving the stuff across the table and right, it's all yours now? You know, what what's the norm, do you think? Yeah, so there's 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 always a handover period of some sort. Um and that can range from from sort of two weeks to, to six months to sometimes years on end. Um, it, it sort of depends on the nature of the seller and the circumstances of the sale. Um, so, for example, if they're selling into retirement, often they're quite open to sticking around uh, and assisting with the business over a longer term. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're uh, if they're not, sometimes they're selling because they you know they're interested in relocating the family or something to that effect. So. Yep. There's circumstances that you just can't really avoid, but at the very least, you'd get sort of four weeks uh, unremunerated um, full-time handover. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And what what would you say to the? Uh, again, there's doubtless people listening to this thinking, well, yes, I would love to, um, or I could imagine growing my business by acquiring that business down the road. Mm-hmm. However, I've got absolutely no money to buy that business do you see any or do you have experience of any kind of formulas that work where where i guess i'm talking something that's more a gradual takeover um a merger that turns into you know a total takeover what's your experience of of that sort of way of operating yeah it's becoming more and more common um where you're getting that kind of deal structure 
uh, implemented where you, you'll buy a business, you'll take over the management of the business in its entirety, but you might pay for it over time or on what they call sort of vendor financed terms. Um, so usually that would require an upfront payment with a, uh, a payment schedule that effectively buys the, the balance of the business out. And the way we look at it is you, you, in terms of the, the negotiation and the price that you ultimately pay for the business, you often either win or on price or terms. Right. Uh, but okay. you, you seldom sort of win on both if you think of it as a win and loss sort of a, a negotiation, which it ultimately isn't, to be honest. But if you think of it like that, there is a bit of a trade-off between price and terms. So if you want to um, – if, the, if you're happy to meet the seller's expectations on price, often you can get a deal structure that alleviates the upfront payment and and uh, will balloon it over the next sort of six to 12 months. Um, but if, you, if you're not comfortable paying close to what the seller's expectation is, for better or for worse, on, on the value, then you can say, look, it's, it's we're not going to space the payment out, but I'm going to pay it all on, on settlement, but this is how much it's going to be. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you're saying then that the, thinking the uh, sort of mindset of the seller, mm. what, what that suggests to me is that a seller's got an idea in their mind. This is how much I want for my business. And what you're saying is that as the is that what some buyers are doing is say, well, actually, I'm not. Yes, I value you know I value your business at a million dollars also, mm. um, or a hundred thousand dollars. Let's let's bring it down a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. I, I value your business at a hundred thousand dollars also, but I haven't got a hundred thousand dollars. So this is what it can look like. So that's when you might say, I'll give you X thousand now, and I'll give you over the next couple of years. You know, I'll get to that balance. So you're saying yeah. you either go that way, uh, and that can work, um, mm -hmm. or you say, well, actually, I don't value your business at $100,000, but I do value it at $70,000. Should we do it or shan't we? Is, is, that's, that's kind of often how it runs. Is that what you're saying? Either it or? is. Yeah, that's no. often how it, how it runs. Yeah. And, um, and keep in mind, there are alternative sources for, for funding um, when it comes to the acquisition of businesses, particularly for growth. Mm. Um, there are lenders out there that have an appetite for funding that kind of growth by acquisition. Um, and so there's always resources. It, it, I mean, even the big four banks uh, have a, a level of comfort around that sort of stuff. But um, there's also private options where people will, if they buy into the growth narrative, they'll, uh, they'll deploy funds into mm. those kind of things. It's a pretty exciting time, isn't it? When you, you know, whilst the word tsunami is not the nicest one to use, that the, <laughs> you know, the fact that there's just so many businesses that are coming up for sale and so many people are looking to grow businesses. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this just sounds like enormous opportunities for us if we just sort of start the process. So, look, I, I totally get that this is, this is very much a kind of an intro to this whole topic. Um, and, I, and I really thank you for your generosity to, to share these tips because I know that, you know, in, in many cases, I guess the, the core of our audience may not be absolutely the right audience for you but you know mm. I hope there's some crossover there but is there anything else we should hear from you today or where can we go to find out more about the sort of work that you do and perhaps get some more tips sure yeah look you're absolutely right we are on the verge of a massive sort of intergenerational shift in wealth and value mm. um, and there's a lot of baby boomers out there looking to to exit their business and often they are market-leading very successful businesses 
Um, and so the opportunities are certainly there. I'd, I'd say it's it's never been a better time um, mm. to look to 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 buy a business, be that through sort of just taking your entrepreneurial spirit and looking to acquire something to enter the market um, or to to acquire for growth. Um, but yeah, look, our, our business is based here in Perth. You can find us on the on the on our website octaviangroup.com.au, uh, and on there there's also a couple of resources. Um, things like due diligence um, guides and, and whatnot that we try to put out there to help people through the process. That's fantastic. And look, and I just think for somebody, you know, um, getting into the, the flow of a, a still a relatively new year and thinking about growth, if this just opens up that thought, well, actually, you know what? I could grow by buying someone else. I find that so exciting. Um, mm. And I sincerely hope and believe that our, our listeners will too. So, uh, Brendan Cochran from the Octavian Group, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your, your expertise with the uh, Flying Solo community. Pleasure, Robert. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And look, before I go, all just a quick reminder to check out Work Your Way, our new online course. The place to go is soloism.com. And don't forget to use the promo code podcast for a nice little intro discount. We've got a whole section on exiting your business as it happens. Okay, thank you. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.